This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It doesn't feel like Friday, but it is Friday indeed. Feels more like a Thursday, but... Again, like I said with Andrew yesterday, that's what happens when you got Monday night football. Cue the music in your head. <laughs> Welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Mike Nislik joined with me. Andrew has a day off. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by the great Jay Morrison, who does great work for The Athletic. We're going to have him in the middle of the show. But just to uh, provide some injury updates for you uh, to follow up with what Andrew and I mentioned as we look at the report Sam Hubbard limited once again. He was limited on Thursday. Uh, DJ Reader did not practice. That was for personal reasons. Lyle Collins was just placed on the IR, so we're not going to see him practice uh, at all really for a while. Um, Some other encouraging news I think that shouldn't be overlooked. We mentioned Hayden Hurst, full participant the last two days, including Friday. Jalen Davis, who missed last week with a thumb injury, he is actually in full participation this week. Uh, he hasn't missed a beat at all this week. He's been in full participation. So some good depth there that they haven't had uh, in the slot for a while with him and Mike Hillen, respectively, being banged up. But, you know, Mike, uh, Andrew and I really talked a lot about, you know, Joe Burrow going against that front and the B- Buffalo Bills' defensive front. And, you know, who's going to be the mystery at right tackle and why or why not Isaiah Prince? You know, we'll – be what they can want to get uh, as far as production goes on Monday. But, you know, you can't overlook the other guy under center on the other side of the ball. That man goes without further ado of an introduction, Josh Allen, one of the league's best quarterbacks. Uh, He was the preseason favorite, according to most odds makers, uh, to win the MVP award entering this year. Uh, And I want to say he's fallen off because he's actually really, really close uh, behind Joe Burrow, they're neck and neck because Allen is in third place. Because in order, it's Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and you know Andrew and I debated that, and I didn't want to kind of bring that back up. But you know, as far as just stopping Allen, I think the one thing that stood out is you know Lou Anaromo said earlier this week, when you're tackling Josh Allen, you're tackling a tight end, and I mean from a physical standpoint, he's like what six five, two thirty, which. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty close to, like, what Hayden Hurst's numbers are. He's, like, 6'4", 240. I mean, so you really are tackling, I don't want to say a freak of nature, but a, really a beast at that point, especially when you look at how fast he runs and how much he accelerates. I think there's a lot that goes into stopping Josh Allen, but what do you think is going to be the biggest key for, you know, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Shea Hendrickson, and maybe, maybe Sam Hubbard, you know, whoever else on that defensive front to stop Josh Allen in his tracks? Yeah, I mean, similar keys to what, you know, they faced Lamar Jackson earlier this season or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you got to be disciplined. 
disciplined. You gotta, um, you know, have a have a plan up front. Lou Anaruma talked about that with all your pass rushers. You can't get uh, too far upfield because then you let him get in uh, up in the pocket. And he said he can. Uh, Allen with his that size uh, does make it tough because he can slip through defensive tackles. Whereas you know he can bring down some guys with one arm. Uh, he's not a type of guy that can do that. So if he gets loose up the middle, uh, he gain can gain yardage. He can you know obviously slip outside the pocket. So. Um, you know, being very disciplined sort of at all spots is, is, is going to be, uh, the key. And, you know, Allen is second in terms of quarterbacks in production and production in yards behind Lamar Jackson and, uh, second in yards per carry in the league uh, behind, uh, Lamar Jackson. I think it was around six and a half yards, uh, per carry when you're talking about the run game. And then obviously the passing game, um, you know, just extends those plays, uh, for so long that you're, you know, even after eight, ten, ten, sec- ten seconds, you can't sort of say, oh, you know, the ball's not coming my way. Uh, but, uh, you know, it can be. Um, so, you know, you gotta, gotta stay, uh, in coverage for, you know, as long as it takes. And you saw last week, uh, a couple of times Cam Taylor Britt didn't give up, but necessarily just kind of maybe let his guard down a little bit. One of those throws went to the end zone. Um, and that can't happen with Allen because, you know, he's gonna, uh, constantly be uh, back in the pocket trying to make things happen and, and wait till the last possible second to, um, you know, throw downfield sometimes. So it, it's going to be sort of obviously that um, really, ch- you know, teams have, have, have tried to slow him down and not many have. Yeah, and you mentioned a lot about Cam Taylor Britt. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I want to get to that in a little bit. But while we're staying with Allen, to kind of sum up a lot of what she said, and I know you'd agree with this, like, you can't let him stay in the pocket. Like, just like Patrick Mahomes, the longer you leave someone like that in the pocket, I don't care how good your coverage is at that point. Like, I don't want to say you're doomed, but you're in a lot of trouble. You cannot let him be comfortable in the pocket. And the thing about it is if he sees the pocket collapsing, that's good. Here's the thing, though. He's going to try to attack those B gaps. So for those who don't know, that's like, you know, any space between uh, the guard and the tackle on the O-line position. If there's any you know, B gap room and he's running through that. that, That's a problem because, you know, the Dolphins had to pay for that when they played in the snow two weeks ago. I mean, that's the game where you would think, oh, the Dolphins are going to actually sweep Buffalo because they were leading uh, at multiple points in that game. But like, look at that last drive specifically where they uh, took the lead. And then before that drive where they had the game winning field goal. He made plays happen with his legs. They failed to contain him in those B gaps just from watching it from an initial impression and watching some of the film. And, like, the guy can jump. Like, he he jumped over and just barely broke the plane for a touchdown that made all the difference in the world. And, like, those are the kind of plays, like, you see tight ends make when they're diving to the end zone after a catch. Most quarterbacks don't do that. Like, Joe Burrow, I mean, he's scored many times this season, but, like, and this is nothing on Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not trying to n- knock on him or make a comparison, but, like, I don't know that even really Joe Burrow can leap like that because he's a little bit shorter and he's not as heavy as Josh Allen. He's still very, like, you know, versatile. Don't get me wrong. But that's part of, like, what goes back to making Josh Allen Josh Allen. You know, and that's the thing is, like, it would be really nice if they get Sam Hubbard back because, I, I mean, really, you look at how he did against Mahomes. You know, I think even before he got hurt in Tampa Bay, he had, like, some pretty good – rushes on Tom Brady. I mean, he's really just been great this year. And it's it's a bummer for him because the guy was maybe not on his way to a Pro Bowl season, but like the closest thing to a Pro Bowl season, especially when you have another Pro Bowler by your side, Trey Hendrickson, rightfully so. Yeah, he, he, well, it was 
interesting. He said that he had been playing all season, you know, not all season, but been playing for a while with that calf injury. Um, and so it finally got to a point where it wasn't really necessarily one play, uh, but just the culmination of that, uh, and it, it just couldn't get better and it kept getting worse. And so he finally had to kind of, uh, sit it down and, and shut it down on in hopes of, you know, making that, uh, you know, get better for the postseason run, which kind of, I don't know, sounds like it kind of hints at a little bit that, you know, you know, Monday's a long shot, um, that, you know, they, they really do need to rest him a little bit in order to uh, get him healthy uh, for the postseason, which is coming up quick here. So, um, yeah, it'll be tough without him because, I mean, when you have both, both those edge rushers on the side, um, you, know, you know, elite edge rushers, uh, that makes your, you know, game plan a little bit easier. I mean, you've got uh, some capable backups. You know, Cam Samples played well, Osai, um, but they're just not on the same level. Uh, you know, you're not going to get that. I, I, I don't think that consistency isn't isn't the same um, that, you know, a Sam Hubbard brings or, or a Trey Hendrickson. And how crazy is that, that, like, he played as well as he's played and he had that nagging issue for a while? Like, that's tough. That is, like, toughness in a nutshell. I mean – Maybe it's not the worst injury in the world, and I'm not trying to make this like the pain Olympics, but man, that is crazy that, you know, he played through it up to the point where like the trainer said, you're going to have to sit for, you know, the New England game and maybe, maybe might have to sit for the uh, uh, the game against Buffalo. That is crazy, though, and we'll definitely see, uh, you know, what the injury report is tomorrow because they do have their final walkthrough on Saturday which again feels like Friday, but nothing makes sense this week anymore with all the, the hoopla and the madness of this game. But I want to finally circle back to that point you made about Cam Taylor Britt and Eli Apple. So the thing with Buffalo's defense is like, or I'm sorry, with Buffalo's offense is like Stefan Diggs is really going to go up against whoever he wants. Like they're going to have him kind of switch sides. And so he will probably go more against Cam Taylor Britt because of that. I'm not saying he won't go against Eli Apple, but just because of kind of the way that they motion him and the way the Bengals defense is set up, like Cam Taylor Britt's going to have, I would say, his toughest challenge of the year up to this point. I mean, you know, you, you talked a little bit about kind of the mistakes he made in New England and how, you know, he made up for it in the end and still played pretty well in the beginning, you know, other than that kind of forgettable middle of the game. But if Cam Taylor Britt, like, what do you do to make sure that, you know, Stefan Diggs doesn't come out of the slouch he's had the last three games and have the game of his, not his career, because he played in Minnesota, but the game of his season, you know, against someone like Cam Taylor Britt? Well, yeah, I felt like the, the strategy for uh, New England in that second half was just kind of throw in, in Cam Taylor Britt's direction um, and, and see what happens. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, they, they had success with that. Uh, he was targeted, uh, nine times in that game. I'm um, just looking at pro football focus, so second most of the season. I uh, was targeted 10 times, uh, against Cleveland, which is another game where he, you know, uh, made some mistakes, but, you know, uh, also uh, had a key stop sort of towards the end of the game. So, um, you know, just keep learning and, 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 you know, keep your head up and, um, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, they'll give him as much help as they can with those safeties and, um, you know, it all kind of works together. And I, I think it's going to be, a, like you said, a really big challenge. Um, you know, he's faced some good quarterbacks though and that that uh, does help i mean patrick mahomes um you know tom brady i mean those are uh, games where you're gonna you know uh, get some learning experience pretty quickly here and now he's got uh, more than a half season under his belt um i think the interesting thing about him is as, as luke kind of talked about this week was that you know part of the issue with a guy that like that that's a 
a rookie that misses training camp with an injury is that some of the technique things um, that you'd want to have down at this point, or you'd want to kind of have spent more time on, you know, you just, you just couldn't. And so those things sort of flare up and, and sometimes that can happen at bad times. So you just kind of, it's probably a constant worry for that defensive coaching staff that, you know, is this a spot where, you know, something like that uh, happens because, you know, you're just not sure. Uh, but, you know, he's gotten a, a lot of reps under his belt. Um, he's played more than 500 snaps at this point. Um, so you hope, you know, all that experience kind of comes through. But there's no uh, bigger stage than the one he has on Monday night, obviously, um, you know, against Buffalo and prime time and, you know, against the top seed, one of the best offenses in the league. So it'll be a challenge. I mean, the good thing about him is, you know, in the run game, he's a physical presence, uh, not afraid to tackle anybody. Um, so that does give you, you know, he, uh some some uh, excitement about his sort of progress and and just um you know his playmaking abilities i mean he'll stick his nose in there and, and he's done that uh, throughout this this year yeah i mean to have amari cooper donovan peoples jones mike evans you know and so many other guys just uh as measuring sticks for like a rookie year, which i mean man what a like what a weird rookie year like no training camp and then like you come back and the minute you come back, Chadobi Uzier goes down. Like, it's just like, you know, whack-a-mole at that point. Like I made that analogy with the Bengals defensive line, but that's kind of what happened a few weeks ago when Chido went down against Cleveland on Monday night. And so, you know, you got to give the guy credit. Like, obviously, you know, you don't want to make excuses because when you're in a position like this, like there are no excuses. Like, you know, you don't want to have a drop off, especially this late in the year, but you're right though. Like, do you have to be fair and say like, there's some things that he didn't really get to work on with technique, you know, back in July and August in the, in the preseason and training camp. So you're, you're right about that. And I think if people are being hard on Cam Taylor, Britt, I'd say, look, man, you try missing a lot of training camp and you try, you know, doing what he's doing because overall, like he's had a great rookie year and like, you know, Luander almost said it, like we're going to see a lot more Cam Taylor Britt. And I mean, like if this is what we're seeing now, just imagine he gets a full year. And I understand it's going to be tricky because, you know, you got Cheeto coming back and then, you know, depending on what happens with Eli Apple, like he could maybe see more of a reserve role again. But either way, like no matter what you use him for next year, sky's the limit with this guy. I mean, give him a couple years. I could see him being Pro Bowl talent. And I know like the Bengals have had a knack for drafting you know, high corners like Leon Hall and William Jackson and Darquez Denard. Other than Leon Hall, a lot of them didn't really fan out very well. So, like, for Cam Taylor Britt to work out being a second-round pick, that's another just, you know, I think a feel-good kind of accomplishment if you're Duke Tobin, especially when you look at just how the Bengals have drafted the last two years. Cam Taylor Britt is definitely going to be the cream of the crop if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, don't you think? From a draft? Uh, I mean, I... I think that remains to be seen. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, he's played uh, well, uh, you know, being thrown in as, as a rookie, but, um, you know, I think he's laid a solid foundation. But in terms of um, his growth and development, I mean, I think, the, you know, this offseason will be a big uh, sort of measuring stick. But, I mean, I don't think you want to kind of cash those uh, chips in, you know, early. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's still a long road to kind of go to, to determine um, what kind of player he he is. I mean, he certainly has the work ethic. Uh, certainly has the right attitude. Um, so you're all, I think, all encouraging signs that point to him, um, you know, moving in the right direction here. But um, still far too early to sort of, uh, I think, crown him. I mean, like you said, it's been kind of an up and down, um, you know, first year. You know, you 
see the mistakes, but you see, but you do see also the raw talent, um, which is what they, you know, one of the reasons they drafted him in, in the second round with that that sixtieth pick. So um, I, I think it's to be D in, in the future, but I mean, I th- you're certainly excited, and you know, Eli Apple's a free agent, and I, you know, I'd envision him probably moving on after the season, and Cam Taylor Britt being slotted in as a starter, um, or at least having kind of the, uh, you know, going into the training camp with the, you know penciled in at the number one alongside Shadobi. Um, um, and, and obviously they're excited about uh, where he's at, but uh, still a long ways to go. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like I know we'll probably talk more about like Eli Apple and, you know, a lot of these contracts like coming up when the season's over, but yeah, I don't really, and this is nothing on Eli Apple. I don't think he's been terrible, but I just don't know that the Bengals want to stick with them, especially when there's so much potential with Cam Taylor Brain. Eli Apple's just, you know, he's played over seven years. He's just, even when he was like in his prime, if there ever was a prime, he's way out of that. I think from that standpoint, it makes sense. But when we come back, stay with us, folks. I mentioned this earlier on the show. We're going to have Jay Morrison from The Athletic, the stat master who brings a lot of the craziest stats I've ever seen on the Bengals. One of the coolest guys out there. You don't want to miss that interview when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. We're joined by one of the best people who has been covering the Bengals for, I want to say, over a decade now. He writes for The Athletic. He is one of the nicest, funniest, kindest people I've ever crossed paths with in this industry and just covering the Bengals. And that would be Jay Morrison. Jay, so glad to have you on. How are you today, sir? Nice, friendly, all this great introduction, and the season's <laughs> almost over before you even have me on for the first time. I know. Shame on me. Shame on me. We haven't really started having guests until lately, so yeah, yeah. that is that is on me. Forgive me. I should have done that nah, I'm just having fun with you. Hey, as they say, though, better later than never. Hey, we saved the best for last. Saved it for a game yes, like this. Huge. I know. It's so huge that you can just feel the, the legwork going into a game like this from everyone, just the mm. Bengals prepping, and even I know you're writing some great stuff for The Athletic. And everyone else in between is just uh, all over. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you've been covering this team for, what, since 2012, right? On a on an everyday bait, bait, beat basis, yeah, since 2012. That's right. Go so, back to 96, just here and there, fly-by coverage. Yeah, there you, there you go. <laughs> so you, you've really – well, you've been co- – that means you've been covering them longer than I've been alive because I'll be – New Year's coming up, I'll be 25 next year. So, yeah, you really <laughs> are a, a seasoned vet to say the least. You know, you've covered your fair share of primetime games, Monday night mm-hmm. games, specifically with this being a Monday night game. You know, from, from your just perspective and your opinion, I mean, is this maybe the most hyped up, most anticipated Monday night game you've ever covered just as a Bengals you know, reporter? Yeah, I think it has to be. Uh, you, you look at some of the other big ones. I mean, the one in, uh, was it 13 or 14, when they, they beat the Broncos, they beat Peyton Manning. Um, they did it to win the division. So, yeah, it would have been 13 because that, that, they didn't win the division in 14. Yeah. That was big, but you just it didn't feel like it had this anticipation. That was win the division. This is defending, super, or defending AFC champs, playing for the number one seed. Um, the, the whole back then even, it was that, yeah, get to the playoffs, but then can't do anything in the playoffs. So people were excited, but they weren't just over the top. It was almost like there was an excitement slash dread because it's like, well, they're excited that they might get to the playoffs, but then they're dreading what's going to happen when they get there because they always lost in the first round. Right Now they make this run to the Super Bowl. People totally expect it again. They know the easiest way to get there is to to 
win the number one seed, and now you're going against the team that's currently sitting in that number one seed spot, and it's the Josh Allen, the Joe Burrow. There's just so much to this one. Um, I, I, the only other one that even compares, and it was a totally different thing, is was in 04. Marvin came in in 03, totally reignited the fan base. They had been so bad in the 90s, and in 04, again, Broncos game, and it was October, and it was like the return of Monday Night Football to Cincinnati. Yeah. There hadn't been a game here in years, and that crowd was electric, and the, the Bengals won that game. Chad Johnson lit up Champ Bailey. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was a big one, but again, that's October. That's not the ramifications that this one had. This one, exactly. I think, is this is going to feel a lot like the playoff game against Vegas last year. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't here for that, obviously, because, you know, I wasn't on the beat yet, but I was mm. actually watching that in Florida, of all places. Yeah. And, I mean, even in Florida, thousands of miles away, I, I could feel that energy. But I want to go back to that game you mentioned. Uh, was it the 2014 Broncos-Bengals 13, game? yeah, 13. So, thir- oh, they played on Monday night in 13. They played on Monday night in 13 here in the rain. Drake Kirkpatrick had two interceptions, had a pick six against Peyton Manning to seal it. And then in 15, they played in Denver on Monday night with a chance to – I think it actually might have been in 14. You're right. Yeah, it was. It was to clinch a playoff spot. That's what I was thinking. Not a division title. So that was – and that was the year they they clinched the playoff spot, and that was week 16. And then week 17, they got flexed into primetime against the Steelers. Yes. A.J. Green got concussed. They lost that game. That that was the game for the division. Um, And A.J. Green got concussed, and then he didn't play in the playoff game against Indy. And so, yeah, they – they had that Monday night game at 14 and 15. They played Denver on Monday night again. That was in Denver. That yep. was late in December. That was with the number one seed on the line. That yeah. was after Andy Dalton went out and A.J. McCarron. And Denver had this incredible defense. And A.J. McCarron goes 75-yard touchdown drive, 75-yard touchdown drive. It's 14 nothing, And you're thinking, oh, my God. And then they couldn't do anything after they ended up losing that game in overtime. They did. So they've, they've had some memorable – going back to the 04 I mentioned, that was Denver as well. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is Buffalo. I can't – I, I go back to when I was a pretty young. It was mid seventies, and it was OJ Simpson. Yeah, I that was a big deal in the Bills. Nineteen seventy five. Yeah, the Bills came to Cincinnati, and I I think there was one other. Oh, there was one other one in the Dave Shula era uh, when they played the Bills in Buffalo, and that was the game where Harry Reasons kind of tugged on Dave Shula's cap and the ultimate sign of disrespect. So uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's not there's not the same history there with Bills Bengals, but uh, there is some Monday night history there. Man, let's say, yeah, you went way back in the vault for that because I was actually reading about some of the greatest Monday night matchups, and that was one that came up. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, November 75. That was, I think, right at the beginning of the Ken Anderson era. I think that's right when he yeah, got he to was, Cincinnati. Uh, he, he was three or four years in at that point, but he was yeah. coming into his own as an elite quarterback. And I think OJ had some crazy yardage total in that game. I can't remember. I was – Oh, what was it, 75, I would have been seven years – no, I would have been nine years old then. So I would have been minus negative. 23. <laughs> <Yeah>. Negative 23. <laughs> my, my dad would have been an infant. My dad would have been like a one-year-old. So my dad's a couple years younger yeah, than me. Yeah, you're really making me feel old. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, what doesn't feel old is you mentioned there was a, a quarterback named Ken Anderson coming up on his own. Kind of reminds me of a guy, I think his name is Joe Burrow. Yeah. I think he's kind of coming up on his own right now. The name seems seems familiar, right? Yeah, he, I mean, it's a little <laughs> different there because uh, Kenny was a second-round pick, if I remember right. You know, Joe Burrow, number one overall. Like, everybody expected 
what we're seeing from Joe Burrow. And, and maybe he's even taken it to another level now, but uh, it is. And it's, you know, Josh Allen, too. There were a lot of questions about him. First-round pick went so high. Took him a while to kind of find his footing. And now, I mean, if you're, if you're making a short list of best quarterbacks in the league, I don't care how short your list, these two are on it. Yeah, I mean, that's – and that's the thing. I think, like, you, you mentioned that. And I was going to get to that, so that's a perfect segue. Like, I think that's part of what makes it such a big game. It isn't just the fact that you have two teams with at least 11 wins or more going into the game, which I think is only the third time – We've had a Monday night game with two 11-plus win teams, right? Uh, yeah, I, I went back. I did it in my mailbag last week, and I went back, and it had not happened before 2000 or since 2000. And I did see something where 1997 was the last time it had happened. And that was San Francisco and Denver when the Broncos had John Elway, yeah. and the Broncos won the Super Bowl that year over yeah. Green Bay. So that is right. And I was actually looking at that, so you, you caught that. But that's the thing I think that makes it so interesting beyond that is Allen versus Burrow or Burrow versus Allen. And we've – it's just crazy all in December alone, at least since December, you've had Burrow versus Mahomes, Burrow versus Brady, Burrow versus Belichick even, mm. and now it's Burrow versus Allen. I mean, and maybe this is seeing too far into the future, but like, could you imagine a time where like five, ten years from now, you know, we're going to look back and say, man, Burrow versus Allen, like that may have been one of the best Monday night games ever. Is it too soon to tell or like, could you actually see that being a thing? you know, just years down the road, we're like, wow, we saw those two guys playing the game. Well, yeah, I could see it being that because I, I, I don't see either one of these quarterbacks dropping off, but I don't know if a few years from now we'll be looking at this as the best Monday night game ever because so many times these games are hyped up as the game of the year. They don't end up living That's up true. to it. That's true. And you could see with, with how much is on the line in this game and, and how good these teams are that if if one comes out a little flat, they could get steamrolled either way. You know, yeah. One team comes out hot, one team gets comes out flat, and it's a, a situation where you're down two scores like that. I don't expect that to happen. I think this is going to be tight right down to the end. But the thing is, like you mentioned, Burrow and Mahomes, we've seen that three times already. We haven't seen Burrow and Allen, but there's a really good chance that this is the first of three in a calendar year because I, I think a lot of people understand that this – they, they could be playing in a couple weeks in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And Buffalo will play – if the Bengals can win the division, then they will play Buffalo next year in the regular season yeah. as well. So you, you, it's taken a while, but we could get the, the Burrow-Allen showdown in, in bunches here coming up. Yeah, I know people like Tyler Boyd, for example, he was the first one to say, you know, that Burrow-Mahomes was like the kind of the Brady-Manning yeah. of our era. Maybe this is actually the Brady versus Manning. Who knows? Maybe – you know, Tyler Boyd and maybe even people like me foreshadowed it too soon. And this could be it. And, you know, I mean, that's not to say that that's not going to be an exciting matchup. It already is. And, like, they could meet again. Mahomes and Bro could meet yeah, again in a could couple be a of fourth. weeks. Could be a fourth. And, like, yeah, two times within the same season. So, yeah, it's definitely something that's exciting to me. But I guess, you know, like, when you're trying to stop someone like Josh Allen, you know, like, Blue and Rumo best said it he is like a tight end. Like, you're not tackling just a regular quarterback. You're tackling a guy who's 6'5", almost 230 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like, that's probably bigger than Hayden Hurst. Like, Hayden Hurst is like 6'4", about 250. So, it's like you're basically tackling Hayden Hurst at that point. And we've seen how physical that guy is. You know, we yeah. see him almost every day, of course, except when he's hurt. But, you know, if you're Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, or if you're Trey Hendrickson, maybe Sam Hubbard if he plays – 
you know, what's the key to making sure that you don't let him run like a gazelle? Because that's, I think, another term that Lou Anarumo uses. He just runs like a gazelle when he's off. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's similar to Derrick Henry. Same yeah. size and super fast once he gets going. And they they did a great job against him this year in the regular season, did a great job against him. He was coming off the injury last year in the playoffs. But they, they don't, I mean, little Mike Hilton going in there and chopping him down. They, they, these guys, they, they have no fear. It no. might not be the most pleasant thing in the world to take a guy like that down, but they're going to stick their nose in there and do it. And, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see is, is are they more committed to not letting Josh Allen – take off running or are they are they more concerned about him winning with his arm and i i that's what really intrigues me about this game is we know lou has this reputation for dialing up unique game plans and um i i have a feeling we're going to see him the 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 game the two games that that he's blitzed the most this year the last two years were baltimore lamar jackson yeah and cleveland with deshaun watson and now you've got another running quarterback, and I, I, I would not be surprised if they just if they show a lot of pressure, yeah. and and bring it, and then show some pressure, and then drop eight. I think they're really going to mix it up, but I do think we're going to see Lou doesn't like to blitz. Typically, he's usually about twenty percent of the time. I think he's going to dial it up and come after Josh Allen because it, let's face it, I mean Stephon Diggs is great, but that's not a great overall receiving core, and that's not a great offensive line, and you know maybe. Maybe that is the deal. You force Josh Allen to take off and run and, and speed up his clock, and, yeah, he'll get some plays. He's going to get some plays whether he's running or throwing. You're just going to have to deal with that. But if you can get to him and get in his head a little bit and, and get him off schedule, then I, I think that's going to that's gonna be the tack that Lou's going to try to take. So you mentioned Stephon Diggs, and I agree. Like I think maybe that matchup with him and Eli Apple or Cam Taylor Britt, I guess it would be Eli Apple in this case. I know that's been kind of hyped up. And I think it probably is overrated, but at the same time, like if you are a Cam Taylor Britt or Eli Apple, and you know if he goes far enough downfield, if you're Von Bell or Jesse Bates, what do you do to make sure this guy doesn't show why he's one of the league's best, if not the best receiver? I mean, it's it, it is going to be Cam Taylor Britt. Let's face because the, they play sides, right? So Buffalo is going to get to pick who they want Diggs to go against. Are they going to put him on on Eli's side? Or are they going to put him on Cam's side? I think you're going to see him on Cam's side quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, I think I think Diggs has ten catches for maybe a hundred yards in the last three weeks. He's just not been involved in he the game plan for some reason. He hasn't. Um, and and Josh Allen was vocal about this week that this week that he is he needs to get him more involved and get him involved early in the game. And I, that's the perfect thing. Send him out there to. I mean. It was always Eli on the left and Cam Taylor Britt on the right. They flipped it last week. Lou didn't want to talk about that. He just said it was just, yeah, I saw it was you just a game that. plan. I don't know if they're going to flip back this week, but if, they're not going to have one or the other just follow Diggs around. So I, whatever side CTB is on, I think you're going to see Diggs over there. And then the key, yes, yeah, CTB is not great at tracking the ball, and he, he's, he gets targeted a lot. He gives up a lot of receptions. He does not give up yards after the catch. He is yeah. a tackling machine. He's fearless. He's tough. He's physical. So that's the key. You know, let if Diggs is going to get his catches, he's going to get his catches. Don't let him break a tackle and start running through the secondary. 
all those attributes you just mentioned also kind of remind me of Von Bell. And that showed specifically when he forced that fumble last week on Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson. Physical, tough, doesn't give up even when the play's almost over. Because when I was watching it on TV, because I wasn't in New England for that, I thought, okay, he's down, he got stopped. And then I'm starting to see, wow, the ball just popped out. I didn't even really even notice from the TV angle that Vaughn jumped in there and just punched that sucker out. I mean, that was, like, remarkable. And that's the kind of plays that show you why, you know, the Bengals made the right decision. What's been known, but it only validates the fact that they made a great decision signing him in free agency. But I guess to kind of tie it all together, Jay, with all the great insight that you provide, which I appreciate greatly, you know, I think if you look at that New England game and you look at the Tampa Bay game the last two weeks, it's a tale of two halves because the first half didn't go the Bengals' way in Tampa. Second half, that was the case in New England, you know, and it was different each, each time. First half against Tampa, the Bengals' offense just honestly started to remind me of how they played against like Dallas and Cleveland. Second half against New England, I don't know that I'd ever seen that defense melt down like that. And I don't want to say they melted down, but they were on their way to a meltdown. Like, they were getting to that point. And I'd never really seen that unless you want to maybe compare it to, like, the first half in New Orleans. And like you said, like, you cannot come out flat, you know, against a team like that. And if you're steamrolling, stay that way because, you know, the game's not over till it's over. I know I talked to Brian Callahan a lot about this, and I'll be writing about this later this week, but – why is it so imperative that, like, you don't try to come hot in the first half and kind of go flat or vice versa? Because, I mean, I look at it as, like, this team is just that good. Like, they were kind of back and forth with Miami, and Buffalo was just tick for tack. Like, I don't think you can come back from down 18, 20 to nothing. I think it's going to be kind of a blow-for-blow blow game. Like, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, if you are going to – if it is going to be a tale of two halves, I think you would prefer the slow start because Joe Burrow and this team overall has proven that – they can come back from double-digit deficits. It's not the way you want to live, but if yeah. it happens, you do feel good about it. What you worry about is if you know you get a you get a fast start and you don't put the team away, and they start finding some traction, yeah. like New England did, and then you're you're hanging on by your fingernails, and it takes a great play like Vaughn made to hold yeah. on to that game. And even then, that was that was so fluky. I mean, the pick six was one touchdown. The hail mary, the ricochet. Oh yeah, it was. It, I. I the def- it was the offense kind of went to sleep, but the defense never really played that poorly in that You're right, game. Yeah. And, um, that's a fair way to put it. But it's I do I, I think you know that's the big difference between Buffalo and New England. So if you fall behind this team, you look at the teams they've fallen behind. Pittsburgh, not a great offense. Dallas, good team, not a great offense. New Orleans, not a great. All these teams that they came back from these big deficits. Even Baltimore, they they didn't win that game, just like Dallas and Pittsburgh. But yeah, coming back from two scores down or ten points down, whatever it is, against this team, that's going to be tough. And yeah. I, I think a lot of people have faith that Joe Burrow can do it, but you just don't want to see him have to prove it because yeah. it's it's going to be really tough. It's very they need to hope that this this game either get off to a fast start. And, and make the Bills play from behind or just keep it even, stay within arm's reach, and then you hope that Josh Allen is a guy that will put the ball in danger, and Joe Burrow does not. And if the game is close and it's on the line, I think a lot of people would have a lot more faith in Joe Burrow in the final few minutes than they would a Josh Allen. That's – yeah, I mean, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. And, you know, you added some great insight there, like – yeah, I think people, and I certainly would have faith in Joe Burrow too, that they could do that. And so that's why, 
you'd rather kind of have the the slow start because it's like, hey, Joe Burrow's been in situations. Yeah. We saw it in Kansas City in the playoffs, and we've seen it many times since then this year. So that's going to be interesting. And, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. I mean, it's going to be such a great game, I think. Mm. And even if it doesn't go the way we're predicting, I still think it's going to live up to enough of the hype. Never enough time with my man Jay Morrison. He writes for yeah. The Athletic. You can catch his stuff uh, with The Athletic and follow him on Twitter. It's what, Jay Morrison ATH? Yes, that's correct. That's right, Jay Morrison ATH. Again, one of the best people you'll ever cross paths with. Pass with. It's been a long week already. I, I can't even finish, <laughs> finish my words. But, Jay, appreciate you as always. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mohammed. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, Mike, we heard from Jay. He took us back, way back in time, just with all the different, you know, Monday night matchups that the Bengals have had. Like, we we went all the way back to 1975. Did you know November 1975, the Bills, when they had O.J. Simpson, they came to Cincinnati. Ken Anderson, former uh, MVP quarterback for the Bengals, was in his third year, kind of like Joe Burrow was in his third year. Like, that was a crazy game in Cincinnati that year. Um I mean, that's a way, way back kind of situation. But, you know, I, I know we talked a little bit about this on uh, Tuesday, and I used Andrew's favorite word, shebanger. I want to kind of get back to you on that. Like, you, we talked about Josh Allen. You know, yesterday I dissected Joe Burrow and what the Bengals offense has to do, you know, against that really, I'd say, very, very good Buffalo defense. We'll talk more about predictions tomorrow, but, like, is there really kind of a storyline or is there something that maybe people are overlooking with how exciting this game is going to be where it's not just about Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and the win streaks and the one seed? Like, is there something there that maybe is kind of being overlooked because of all the hoopla? I don't know. I think the hype, uh, you know, it's it, it doesn't – I'm with kind of the players and the, the coaching staff where it, it's uh, – the games on Monday night, you know, I don't know how much that, that invades the locker room. Um, you know, I know that the stat that sort of popped out to me was that this was the most tied for the most wins between two teams on uh, Monday night football history. Um, so you're getting two, uh, really good teams, really, you know, obviously, you know, two, two of the three, you know, best in the FC, arguably in, in, in the league. Uh, but in terms of like, I think people are sort of, you know, taking that train and are hoping that it's a better game than, you know, it really would have to be something special to sort of live up to something, some of the ways that people are talking about it. And, and that can, can be hard to do. Um, I know the forecast will help. You know, it's not going to be kind of one of those crazy snow games or rain games where that sort of will make it sloppy. But, um, you know, it's after New Year's Eve. Uh, <laughs> what if one team plays flat uh, and it's a blowout? I mean, you know, I just think that saying beforehand a game has everything that it could be to be the best game ever, I think is just – uh, sort of a fool's errand you know it's like uh, th th so many things could happen in a game what if one of the quarterbacks gets knocked out uh you know and you're looking at Brandon Allen playing you know it's it's just whoa, 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 um, whoa. I think whoa. I think people are dreaming uh they're hoping and and praying but I mean these are two teams I think the exciting part is that you know uh, playoff bound obviously I've already locked that up uh you know could be a matchup in the AFC championship game could be a matchup in the divisional round um so uh you know kind of uh could be a start of an, another rivalry with with Joe Burrow and, and and Josh Allen, you know, having never having played each other yet. Um, so I think there's all those th that excitement um, is fair, but I think some of the hype uh, maybe is off off the rails a little bit. 
one can dream, Michael. Like, are you not a dreamer? Do you have dreams? I'm realistic. But like, one one can dream, though, right? Doesn't mean you can't be real. But we can all live in our own little fantasy, I guess. But you're right, though. I guess you know, in this world, being journalists, being objective, we can't really dream. We just have to be realistic. I don't know. Right. Sometimes I like, I like I like to think you're the party pooper, but then I think you're just the voice of reason, and, and you really are because, like, I hate to say it, but you're probably right. Like, I mean, I think it's extreme <laughs> to think that maybe I'm not saying it's impossible, but it'd be wild to think that you know Josh Allen or Joe Burrow would go down. I mean, anything can happen, right? It's football. It's a violent sport, but. Man, that would be like a soul crusher. Like if if Paul Brown Stadium was like a balloon, it would just pop to oblivion. Like you know, have we gone back in time? Have we gone back in time that it's Paul Brown Stadium? Oh my gosh, Paycor, Paycor, Paycor. There you go. go. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Nizek, the voice of reason. Like, thank you. you It's been a long. It's been a long week, but his mind is sharper than mine. Apparently, I, I don't know. How how he does it, but he's been in this business way way longer, and that's why Mike is one of the best at what he does. Um, <laughs> but man, Mike, to kind of wrap up on just the the fun and the chitter chatter, uh, you know, normally this is supposed to be like our number of the week. I want to kind of save that for tomorrow because today's Friday, but I want to do a little flashback Friday. Like we're we're, we're kind of being. I guess we could say we're being fans here for a minute, you know. You, and I mean, I know maybe this is a harder question for you because like you've watched way more than I have, but. Is there a Monday night football game, just any Monday night football game that you remember like vividly or you just remember like very well? And, and why is that? If, if there's one that comes to mind. <laughs> no, there isn't. I mean, I, I you know, when you watch so many, we cover so many games, it's all sort of, uh, um, you know, th- that sort of part of it, I don't know, it's faded a little bit. And I'm not one that can like, I'm not, I don't have that memory. I wish I did that the, uh, you know, quarterbacks or offensive coordinators, uh, a lot of coaches, you know, where they could, um, you know, pinpoint a moment in a game and a play and just like rattle it off. Like what happened? You know, and Jamar Chase is like that too. He's talking about a ball he fumbled, um, you know, uh, his rookie season and, and the play and, and who was in coverage and things like that. I am not that way. So I, you know, yeah, I, I cannot say, you know, I, I remember growing up um, watching Monday Night Football and, and, and you'd obviously with Al Michaels and, uh, you know, um, Frank Gifford and, uh, you know, the announced team, you know, that, that sort of classic three-man booth that they had for, for years and years. But uh, in terms of games and moments, I, I could probably not pick one out. Maybe that makes me I – mean, that probably certainly says something about my memory, but um, – yeah, no, that's not something I could just like pull out of the thin air. I'm jealous of you, man, because you you actually got that experience. Like I was born way after. Well, I mean, technically, I was around for part of that ABC crew because, like, what I was born in 1998. So the earliest I can remember them is like the last two three years. They had that that bunch with Al Michaels and uh, Frank Gifford and Dan Deerendorf. Like probably those last two three years. So that was kind of like Tom Brady's prime of his prime. Ben Roethlisberger was like new to the league. Like I kind of remember that, but I was too young to even know squat about football. So I envy you for that reason, my friend. But I'd say for me, because I'm I'm younger and I, my memory's a little more refined with some of these games. I'd say the craziest Monday night game I've seen was, I mean, I mean, I already said it with Andrew, but I'm going to say it to you to get your thoughts. I would say it was Bills. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm already losing my mind. It's, I'm sorry, Rams Chiefs in 2018. 
think both teams were like nine and one each. So almost the equivalent of like what the Bengals and Bills are entering this game. It was like a 56, like to 50 something game. Like they combined for at least or almost a hundred points. Yeah. Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he won MVP that year. And like, that was the game where I was just like, if this guy does not win MVP, the people voting, with all due respect, are lunatics if they don't give this guy the MVP. And, like, that almost became a Super Bowl preview because, like, I mean, Chiefs, if they didn't lose in the AFC Championship to the Patriots in overtime, that's your Super Bowl. Los Angeles, Kansas City almost was this year to uh, last year if, you know, the, the Chiefs didn't lose in overtime to uh, the Bengals, you know, ironically in the AFC Championship. So that was crazy to me because I thought, like, I just watched a preview of the Super Bowl and, like, if this was the preview, then what is Super Bowl going to look like? Who knows? But like I said, one can dream until reality hits you and your prediction doesn't come true. Am I right? That's right. Well, folks, that's Mike Nislick, the one who keeps it real, the voice of reason. As I said, I'm going to start calling you the voice of reason now. That's that's you, Mike Nislick, the voice of reason. We appreciate you uh, tuning in, folks, uh, to this podcast. And special shout-out again to Jay Morrison uh, for having fun with me on this podcast. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, Mike, Andrew, and I will have all our predictions, previews, and final thoughts ahead of this big, big game. But once again, for myself and Mike Nislick, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great night, everyone. Take care.